This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you eat your sushi the wrong way? Do you donate garbage to charity? Do you text in the squat rack? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better when we have to live together. We can all use a little help. Some people don't ask themselves. Were you raised by wolves? Hey everybody, it's Nick Layton. And it's Leah Bonima. And let's just get right down to it with our amuse-bouche. Let's get in the amuse-bouche. So for today's amuse-bouche, I want to talk about sushi. Which I love, and I'm already nervous because I bet I'm doing a lot of things wrong. As <laughs> soon as you said, I got hungry and anxious at the same time. So sushi is a big category, and there's a lot to say about it. But for today, I just want to like talk about some headlines, some big topics, some big overarching themes. So, Leah, do you like sushi? Do you eat sushi? I love sushi. And so, in previous episodes, we have actually touched on sushi-adjacent topics, like chopsticks in a Japanese restaurant or the towel, oshibori. Do you remember, like, what not to do with the chopsticks? Oh, I do. I don't do, for those of you at home, I'm... Yeah, you don't rub them against each other. I'm not <laughs> sharpening them. And with the oshibori, <laughs> the towel? I don't eat it. You don't eat it. That is true. So, let's start with the accessories that you'll get at a sushi restaurant. So ginger, I think the main thing to note is that this is a palate cleanser. This is not a garnish. You do not add it to your sushi. You eat it between sushi. So I think that's just like the key thing to note. Well, I have been doing that wrong, A, and I love it on my sushi. Do I have to stop? I love ginger. I would just eat, I've ordered ginger. So you're putting ginger on pieces of sushi and then eating sushi and ginger together in one bite. Yes. This is what's happening? Yes. Well, etiquette is like poetry. You are allowed to break the rules once you know them. So just know that that is not what is intended with the ginger. Maybe next time I'll make an announcement. I know I'm supposed to be eating this in between, but I, I need it in every bite. I mean, on some level, with everything in life, if you like it a certain way, have at it. I mean, it doesn't affect my life. So do it. Is it between you're your cleansing between sushi bites or you're cleansing between sushi and another? Well, I think for today's purposes, I'm thinking like, oh, we're in a sushi bar in Tokyo or we're just having like sushi as like the meal that we're having. 
So I have a piece of sushi and now I am not eating a piece of sushi and I might be switching to a different type. Like I'm going from one type of sushi to another type of fish and I want to cleanse my palate in between. I will eat a little ginger to do that. That's okay. what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's a palate cleanser, you know. Like you do. Like one does. And so now I'm a little nervous about the other rules. Oh, you should be nervous. You should be nervous. Because that ginger was kind of a gimme, but okay. Um, with <laughs> I feel like soy, you should know this about There are no gimmies. Yeah, but I guess we should assume. It's rude to assume. So I apologize. Um, with soy, it is very rude to waste soy sauce. In Japan, it's considered very rude. So you really only want to pour just enough soy that you need. And if you pour a huge amount of soy sauce in a dish, it does send the signal, which is like, oh, I think that the fish you have back there isn't fresh. And I'm going to have to doctor it up with all the soy sauce. And so that's why I need so much soy sauce. So that's like something to note. It's just like, oh, that kind of sends that signal. And you don't add wasabi to the soy sauce. Is that a thing you do? Of course it is. I don't overpour the soy sauce. I pour just enough soy sauce to mix a whole mound of wasabi, which I call fire in the nose. Okay. So the reason I think why it's not typically done, why we don't typically add wasabi to soy sauce, is that in a lot of sushi places, at least better sushi places, I mean, if you're ordering off of a touchscreen and it's brought to you by a robot, then like, I guess do whatever you want. But if it's like a nicer <laughs> sushi place, the soy sauce that you're getting, it is not like Kikoman out of the big vat. Like it's probably made in house. And it's designed to be like the perfect balance to everything else that's being served. It's like designed as a compatible component. And so the flavor of this sauce is like the balance that the sushi chef believes is optimal. And so by adding anything to it, you're changing that. And that's not exactly the chef's vision. It's kind of like adding salt to a dish or adding like ketchup to a steak. It's just like, that wasn't the vision of the chef. Now, if you have a different vision for how you like your sushi, I guess that's fine. But when you're going to a sushi restaurant, generally speaking, you want to experience the point of view of this sushi chef. And so you wouldn't want to modify unnecessarily what's happening. I think that's the thrust of this sort of rule. I absolutely get that. And I think that I'll just be open with you right now and say that I've probably <laughs> never been to a place where they made their own soy sauce. Okay. In which case, uh, we have room to grow. I look forward to this experience. And now I know, don't make a lake of soy and add a pound of wasabi to it. And I guess I hesitate to add. Just add it and just, I'll say I'm doing it wrong. You just... <laughs> Dip into the soy sauce. We don't drizzle on top of sushi. Oh, I'm not drizzling. Okay. I'm great. doing a light dip. Boop, boop. Okay. Yeah. I'm not doing a drop or a plop or a, I'm doing a dip. Okay, great. Yeah. That's one, one out of four. When you dip, I dip, we dip. We're just <laughs> dipping. No drizzling. Okay. So there's a lot of different types of sushi in the world. And when you think of sushi, what you're probably picturing in your head is a little mound of rice with like a piece of fish on top or something. That's the emoji. If you're going to do the sushi emoji, that's what it is. And so this is nigiri sushi. That's what that's called. And here's how you eat it. You can use chopsticks, but you are allowed to use your hands. You can use your hands. And when we go to that Michelin-starred sushi bar in Tokyo, Leah, we can use our hands. It is perfectly fine in a refined setting to eat nigiri sushi with your fingers. I can't wait. And so you can do that. And you should eat it immediately. You should eat it while the rice is warm, while the fat in the fish is still warm from the sushi chef's hand. Like, eat it immediately. And it's one bite. It's a one bite thing. We don't bite it in half. We don't separate the fish from the rice. We don't cut it. 
it's one bite. Now, in the United States, that can be easier said than done because sushi, you know, bigger is better. There is sushi in the United States that is so enormous. It's like a Twinkie. And you're like, I can't eat this in one bite. Oh, some of these rolls are like. Right. So if that's the case, you are not held responsible from an etiquette perspective for the crimes of your chef. <laughs> of eating a Yule log of sushi. Right? Yes, yeah, a bouche de Noël. <laughs> and so you just have to do the best you can. But in Japan, it really will be one bite. And a sushi chef will actually probably look at you and like try to determine like what size it should be for you. So they do customize it a little bit. Wow, so the artistry. So it looks like you got a real big mouth. Okay, <laughs> if you have a very small mouth, you know, they might actually like size it accordingly. And so with wasabi, there's actually probably already wasabi on it. Generally speaking, it will already come pre-wasabi'd. And so you do not need to add wasabi to it. And so that's something to note. Now, if you do like a little more heat, that's fine. At a better place, you'd probably want to sneak that in because that would be kind of like adding salt to a dish in front of a chef, which is like, oh, this is not seasoned properly. So you want to be discreet about it. And now we get to soy. So in better places, it actually will already come brushed with soy on the top, in which case you do not actually need to do any soy yourself. And in some places, they don't even offer soy. Or if they do, it's sort of like, we have it here, but like, you probably shouldn't need it. It's like ketchup on your on your steak fries in a nice... Yeah, it's just kind of like, oh no, we've actually already presented this thing to you in the optimal way. And so it requires nothing else other than for you to eat it. But if you do want to do soy, and let's be honest, how often are we eating a Jiro in Tokyo, right? I mean, mostly when I'm having sushi, I'm on my couch and I'm watching Love Island. And this is not precious sushi, which is like, oh, it doesn't need soy. No, it needs soy. <laughs> it was in a bike messenger backpack for the last half hour before it got to my house. Before it got so to it your like, house from the 7-Eleven where- Right, <laughs> that's where I get my, that is where I get my sushi. Yes, 7-Eleven. They do have it. I hear- Just roll the dice. Yeah, you feeling lucky? <laughs> That's the seven. <laughs> so with the soy though, okay, let's say you have sushi and you want to have some soy in it. Okay, great. So if you're using your hands, you would pick up the sushi and what you would want to do is you'd actually want to flip it over and you'd want to dip the fish side into the soy. You don't want to dip the rice side because the rice will typically soak up too much soy too fast and the soy will kind of overwhelm all the flavors. And also you could loosen all the rice and you actually might like have it crumble. So you actually want to put the fish side or whatever the topping is into the soy and dip it very lightly. If you're using your chopsticks, you'll want to tilt the sushi onto the side and then you'll want to pinch the topping, the fish, with one side of the chopstick and the bottom with the other chopstick to keep it together. And then you would dip the fish side down in the soy as well. And then you would eat it. Some people like eating it with the fish on your tongue side. And they say that like, oh, that enhances the flavor. That's better. I think a lot of people are like, uh, that's actually not a thing. Like you could do it if you want, but like, that's actually not like better etiquette. And Jiro actually was like, don't do that. He's like, <laughs> no, he's not a fan of like flipping it over. I tried it. I was like, maybe it tastes different. I didn't notice a difference. It didn't make any difference to me. Some people are like, oh, the temperature of the rice is different from the fish. And so when you do it this way, but by the time that 7-Eleven sushi made it to my house, like temperature was not really concerned. But it is a thing that people say is better etiquette. It is not better etiquette. It is just a thing that people do. Whether or not you should or not, I can't weigh in. But just letting you know, you might see it out there in the wild. Woo! And then with other types of sushi, like there's maki, which is like the rolls that does have rice. And so the idea of like, oh, not getting too much soy into the rice is still like applicable. And so some people will actually dip the seaweed side 
rather than the rice side. Some people will just dip a corner just to get a little soy in there, but you want to just be quick about it and you don't want to just soak it too much to like overwhelm the flavor with soy. So that's kind of the idea there. There's also the type of sushi that's kind of like the battleship. It's wrapped in seaweed around the sides and then there's usually something loose on top like roe mm. or something. And so a question comes up, which is like, oh, how do I get soy on that? Because like I can't flip that over and what am I supposed to do? And so what some people do, including the famous Jiro, and if you don't know who I'm talking about, Jiro is the guy who had the documentary made about him, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Um, and so he got very famous and he has sort of a very famous sushi restaurant in Tokyo. And so a lot of people look to him for sushi advice, I guess. And so he says, one of the things you can do is you take a piece of ginger and you dip that in the soy and like a paintbrush, you paint soy on top of the sushi piece. Wow. And he actually suggests doing that for all types of sushi. He doesn't even like pinching it with chopsticks and flipping it over. He thinks that's very déclassé because his sushi already comes pre-soyed and it's perfect and each one is like a precious jewel and so why would you ever flip it over? But if for some reason you had to add soy, he would rather use the paintbrush method on all pieces. I don't think you need to do that when you're on your couch at home, but that is a thing that is done, I guess. One could also practice it on their couch at home so they felt comfortable That's when they true. took it out into the public. Now, there are some Japanese etiquette experts who are like, oh, this paintbrush thing, it's a little déclassé. Oh, did I already say déclassé? Is that like the word of the day? You did, yes, because I was thinking I should have a shirt that says déclassé and you could have a shirt that says classé. <laughs> oh, I kind of love that. I think these would be the perfect shirts for us. And maybe some of our listeners who have a partnership where one is class A and one is class A. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, by the time this episode airs, this will be available at our store. So check that out, everybody. Oh, I'm going to design this tonight. Yes. And so lastly, let's just talk about sashimi, which is like in the world. It is in the world. And that is basically just fish without the rice part. And so we do not use our fingers for this. We do need chopsticks. And the idea is that we do dip in soy and we do add wasabi manually to the piece. So just a little dollop, we can put it on the piece of fish. We do not make that mixture again. Now, I will say, Lee, though, there are some sushi chefs who are like, oh, go for it. It's fine. You can make your little wasabi soy soup if you want, which, you know, there's as many people as rules. But generally speaking, we will add the wasabi manually. And it's also one bite. Same idea. We're not going to be like chewing it in half. It's just like a one bite experience. I love sashimi in a wasabi soy soup. I mean, do what you like. My role here is just to let you know what is generally done with exceptions, of course, in the world. But you do you. I'm going to give it a try. I'm absolutely going to try a, a sprinkle, a breath of soy mm -hmm. with wasabi coming in separately uh -huh. on the top. So... Obviously, this isn't everything with sushi, but I think this is a very good start. This is a very good start. I've learned, I mean, what a curve. Yeah, I'm so glad to have uh, expanded your sushi horizons. Also, I am so hungry. Yeah, I actually will have sushi tonight after I make those t-shirts. Mm. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV, which has the best of British, Canadian, New Zealand, like all sorts of great television. And they have tons of different kinds of shows. Oh yeah, all sorts of genres. <laughs> I'm just severely focused on crime, mystery, murder. That's really my 
sweet spot. And so obviously the Broken Wood <laughs> Mysteries from New Zealand, this is up your alley. Very up my alley because it combines my love of murder mysteries and my love of New Zealand, which was born from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, anything said in a seemingly quiet country town where something goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is up your alley. Also, they have a big city detective move to said small town, having to work with the local police and they have a, a different way of doing things that everybody finds to be a bit <laughs> right. jarring. So up my alley. So check that out and use promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my Books of the Month, but for multiple months now. So Books of the Months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going <laughs> to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. <laughs> And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Deep and dropping off. Okay. So for today's question of etiquette, I want to talk about dropping things off at a thrift store. And I think we can even expand that to donating things. Yeah. Where they should be going. Because I think that's a very large portion of this. Is that where that should be going? <laughs> right. And who among us has achieved perfect minimalism, right? Who has nothing extraneous in their lives? You still have a Teddy Ruxpin. I never had a Teddy Ruxpin. <gasps> no? no? Oh, deprived childhood. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I don't think I ever wanted one. <laughs> no, probably not. They're kind of creepy. <laughs> it kind of makes me, I'd be like, why are you talking? Okay, so no Teddy Ruxpin, but you certainly have extraneous things in your house. Yeah, well, I would say that I'm not actually going for minimalism. Oh, that is also a good point. So they're not yeah, extraneous. They are loved. Fair enough. Okay. That being said, I often take things to various donation giveaway places. So the first question is, is it trash? <laughs> Should you be donating this thing? Is it a bucket of broken glass? And you're like, someone will want this. No, no one wants your garbage. But I, just as a quick, if it is something that's like, you're trying not to just put it in a landfill, I get that and I understand that, but find the correct place for it. It doesn't go to Goodwill if it's a bucket of broken glass. Right. Yeah. I guess that's the theme is just finding the right home. And that's really the first step. Find the right home is it. What is this thing? And where's the best place? Where can it do the most good? Because there are people that they probably like they make art out of glass or somebody's like doing it. That's all possibly exists. That's not the drop off at the Salvation Army or the Goodwill. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think, the key thing. So I think before you donate anything to a place and, you know, near your house, find out, oh, what are they accepting and not accepting right now? And see what's on that list. I often break my things up because there are they're very specific, like for women's organizations or women going back to work. They don't have interview clothes. I have like that place where I drop off. I have one that's like for women who are currently in a shelter and they need more like undergarments. Then I have like my regular drop off 
for a Goodwill. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely a, a home for most things. And then there's just textile recycling. So for something that just like cannot be resold, it has missing buttons, it's soil, there's rips in it. Then there's a whole world of just textile recycling out there. And also this may not be applicable, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I, the library has like a, this is not stuff, but it is things that accumulate. I have switched to rechargeable batteries, but I, I do sometimes have a battery that runs out. I save it. I take it to the library. I also have told people in my building, I'll take your stuff to the library. Okay. And I know like when I have used towels and stuff that like nobody's going to want it. Goodwill. There's actually an animal shelter in the neighborhood that loves used towels and blanket and bedding and stuff like that. And so animal shelters is a great place for that kind of stuff. Recently, I have like shoes that I yeah I plow through shoes from exercising. And like mm. people don't need beat up shoes at Goodwill. But there are places where they're just looking for sneakers. They don't care what shape they're in. Just find the right, right place. Just make sure you donate two. Nobody wants one sneaker. I mean. This happens. I would hope. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, here's a shoe. Yeah. Don't just be like, I didn't want to take this to the trash. That's just not polite. Yeah, that is rude. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, places have times that are for yeah. the drop off. And if you call, it's on their websites. Like I recently took my stuff to a new place. I looked on their website. They said a certain time I got there. It wasn't that time. There was a sign saying now we're only open from this time to this time. I saw people driving up, seeing the sign, being irritated and just dropping their stuff on the sidewalk. It's like, no, no, no. No, that's not what we do. No. You take it back and you come back at the time that they're open, even though it's annoying or whatever, because you'd scheduled it. We do not leave it on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's called dumping. And that is illegal. You might as well have just thrown it in the trash. Yes. And let's say, you know, they're not open that day and it rains. Now you've actually like ruined all this stuff. Now you've left a mound of wet trash. And now you've actually wasted more of their time and resources taking care of your garbage. Yeah. So I put it back in the car, leave it in the trunk, go back. And then another thing on my list is make your donations seasonal, if possible. Like winter coats, like no one has room to store a wool coat in July. Like Salvation Army doesn't have room for this. And so if you can hold your donations until like the season when it might actually be used, that's ideal. So if you can kind of keep it in your closet for a little while until like it could actually be sold or used kind of immediately, that's what you should aim for. I mean, that's ideal, but I understand if you can't do that. I also yeah. am going to throw a thing out there. Mm -hmm. I recently had to go to somewhere cold in the middle of the summer. And I was like, where am I going to get this jacket? Okay. And I was like, Hope Goodwill has something. Yeah, that's true. Because you actually brought none of your winter stuff to Los Angeles. I brought none of it. And then ugh, multiple cold places. Although when you like fly home to Maine at Christmas, you got to like get off the airplane. Like what happens? My parents put the jacket in the car and then I slip right into it. Okay. I guess that works. Of course. Okay. <laughs> and another thing to note is that you should always wash the item before you donate it. Yeah. Even stuff that's clean in your closet. Like if it's been in the back of your closet for a year, like it could still be a little dusty or mildewy. Just give it a wash keys. Yeah. And ideally, like don't use a detergent that has fragrance and like skip the fabric softener. I mean, Nick is taking this up so many levels. Well, I mean, can we not? I'm just saying. And then just a good thing to do is check your pockets before you donate something. I always check my pockets when I buy something at thrift stores oh. because I hope there's a treasure map in there or something like, woo, can't believe this was in the pocket. Has there been anything good? No, but I'm still looking. Fingers crossed. So in the end, I think this is just a nice reminder that for anything in life, including donating to charity, that uh, we just want to be mindful. Just a reminder to be mindful. I love that. Right? Yes. That's all we need. Being mindful is the biggest donation we have to give. Oh. Woo! Okay. That's nice. That's actually very nice. <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So did you know you can help support our show on Patreon? We have a Patreon. We do. And like there's tons of fun stuff there. There's videos, there's audio clips, all sorts of stuff. I was just thinking about how many videos there must be up there by now. Oh, there's a lot. Oh, there's a lot of bonus content that you have never seen if you do not join us on Patreon. So go to our website, select monthly membership and see if that's something you'd like to do. We'd so appreciate it. We really would. So please check it out. And thank you. Thank you. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from you all in the wilderness. Ow! So our first question is, quote, it's 7.45 p.m. where I live, and I just received a text from a fellow mom. One of her daughters is turning 11 tomorrow and is having a pool party at their swanky club. She texted me and another mom saying her 13-year-old daughter, the older sister of the birthday girl, would love it if our 13-year-old daughters could come. These three older girls are best friends. It is a last-minute invitation, and it's not worded as if they are the birthday girl's guests, but more like they're to hang out with the older sister who has to go. Do you think it's necessary to bring a gift for the birthday girl? I don't really have time to go out tonight, and I'm gone all day tomorrow. My husband will be dropping our daughter off. We could put some cash in a card if you think we shouldn't show up empty-handed. Help. I assume you wrote back in real time. I did. This did seem very urgent. And so I know what I said. What would you say, Leah? Well, I had what I was originally going to say the first time I read it and thought about it. But something else just popped into my head this time when you read it. Okay. I almost feel... Well, let me say first what just popped into my head right now. Sure. It was that I almost feel... I obviously know this mom. Obviously, what's happening is the younger daughter is having a party. And then, as it's stated your daughter's going to go hang out with the older kids because they're friends and they need something to do during this party. Yeah. So I think we could text back the mom and say, hey, I'm not in tonight. Should she bring something? Oh, okay. To ask, to clarify. Sure. To clarify. That was something just popped in my head right now. But what I originally thought was, I don't think you need to bring cash. Right. But I do think they could, if it made you feel more comfortable, they could swing by a store and grab a card and say, Thanks for inviting me out on your day. Wishing you the happiest of birthdays. Right. Love blank. X or not love, whatever you say. <laughs> Wishing you the happiest of birthdays, Sarah. Yeah, I think that that was basically what I said, which was like, your daughter is attending this event and is probably going to eat the cake. Like they're probably going to have a piece of cake. And so they are attendees of this event. Even if they're not there for the guest of honor, they're at the event. And so it would be nice if you would acknowledge the guest of honor in some way. And so, yeah, I think a card would be nice. And it sounds like from our letter that they actually have cards in their stationary wardrobe at home already, which is a good reminder for why we should always have cards at home, because you never know when you may need a card. But yeah, if you could just like swing by a grocery store or a, where else do you buy cards? I don't know. I always just have a stationary wardrobe. I haven't bought cards in a long time. Pharmacies is really where it's hopping. Pharmacy. Yes, pharmacy. I only have my stationery engraved, so what do I know? No, of course. But but yes, a pharmacy. Uh, Pick up a birthday card. Yeah, because I think that would be very nice to like roll into the party and you see the birthday girl and you're like, happy birthday. 
So glad to be here. Here's a card. Happy birthday. And then you go off and do whatever you want. But like you can't roll into that party and not like say happy birthday to this person. So it's nice to like hand them something in that moment. Yeah, I think so. And I don't think there needs to be money in it. It's just like a happy birthday. Yeah, I don't think you need money or a gift card, but I think we want to just acknowledge. And acknowledge in writing is very nice and thoughtful. I love it when we're on the same page. Yeah. So do you have questions for us? Let us know. You can let us know through our website, wereyourraisedbywolves.com, or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message like this mom did at 267-CALL-RBW. And now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had recently, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So Leah, would you like to vent or repent? You know, this is a vent, but also it was such a culmination oh. that it's almost like sharing gossip at this point. Do you know oh, what I'm I mean? <laughs> All right, let's hear it. So I think our, our listeners know my... Obsession with group fitness classes. We're aware. And I've been updating our uh, Patreon about some Zumba situations. Mm. I love the Zumba. And it's gotten so much more competitive. Not competitive, but high intensity moving out here to Los Angeles. So there's been a lot of happening in Zumba. So this week we had a fight in Zumba class. And (laughs) (laughs) I really feel like it was so much, like that's exactly that, that it was so much that I couldn't even, I'm not even. Just because make sure I heard it right. You're in a Zumba class. Everybody's just like working out. And now there is a fight. It did not get physical, but there was yelling. There was yelling. The music had to get stopped. We stopped the music. Yeah. People circled around the two women. I mean, it was a full, there were no blows exchanged. Because the fight probably was broken up before it got to that point, but it was on that path. Nobody wanted to get in between those two women. What was this about? So what was happening is that one of the women was holding a spot for another woman with a water bottle. Okay. I think we can all agree that after a certain point, It was well past the point when a spot should be held. But at the same time, it's like always the same regulars. I would have, I was just letting it go. So the woman who was holding the spot was like my great grandmother's age. Okay. Which I realized played into my thoughts about that, whether or not that's true or not. But I just sort of have this, like, I'm going to respect my elders. She wants to hold this spot. It's really not affecting anybody. Right. I'm going to let it go. Okay. But this other woman who I possibly have preconceived ideas about because I heard her (laughs) bad mouthing somebody in another class, which I don't like that behavior. So I already was on the other woman's side. Okay. Moved it. And then we're saying it was like 20 minutes in. It was at least 20 minutes in. Okay. And moved it without any sort of permission. No, she just picked up and moved it. She was like doing like a little sachet forward. She's like, why is this here? Moved it up against the wall. Okay. The other woman comes, gets it back against the wall, puts it down, back. Oh, I'm going to save it again, this spot. Yeah, she moves it right back. I see all this. I think, oh, I start getting (laughs) sweating a little bit because I don't know. I'm nervous for everybody. Like, oh, this is going to get good. Okay. Then the other woman moves it again. Oh, that's a nice way to escalate that. Okay. Yeah, and then the other lady goes, picks it up, Mm -hmm. puts it back. Then now this woman who keeps moving it away, goes and talks to her. She apparently raised her voice Mm -hmm. because then the woman who was, the older woman who was holding the spot starts yelling, do not use that tone with me. 
you will not raise your voice to me. And then the whole argument became about how they were raising their voice. And the other one was like, you can't hold the spot. And she was like, you can talk to me about holding the spot, but you will not just move my stuff. You will not. And then the music stops. The Zoomer instructor, he comes over. He's trying to talk to them. They're just uh-huh. yelling over him. <laughs> Then the man next to me wants to get involved and be like, I don't think that you should be allowed to hold a spot. And I go, I think they're working it out. Yeah, let's not. I think they're working it out. I'm not taking side. I'm not getting involved. (laughs) Let's not jump in that pile. I said, I think they're Uh working it out. Then the woman who moved this stuff, the not spot holder, walks out. Okay. Storms out as the woman who the spot was being held for (laughs) walks in the door. And she's like, what I miss? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it was, okay. I burned extra calories. It was breath. It was soap opera. And then the wow. Zoom instructor just put the music back on. And then and I did notice that at the end, the woman who was the spot holder went over to the Zoom instructor, apologized, said, I didn't mean to cause a scene. I just don't like being yelled at. Okay. I mean, I, I appreciate um, that gesture. So I'm, it's not really... Event because well, it's event in that this ruined your experience in class. But the thing is, is that it didn't because it was enhancing. It was enhanced at this okay. point because it's been so building up where people stepping in. You know, so many people come in late. They walk to the front. This sort of like you know when you you release all the toxins. It's sort of so. This just was like, cathartic. It was cathartic. This was almost cathartic. To be like, oh, this is like this is borderline not real. It's so wild. You know, I, I'm just going to sit back and not get emotionally involved in this anymore. Okay. I mean, I guess that's a win. But I felt like I had to share it with the group because I've been talking oh, about people interested. coming in yeah. late, people stepping in front of you, people not being okay. And then now it's just a full fight. We just had a full fight. I love it. Well, for me, I would also like to vent. And you think that you own the registered trademark on bad gym etiquette? Oh, <laughs> Oh, you don't. I actually looked up in the trademark system in test to see whether or not you own the trademark. Bad gym etiquette? No. No, you don't. In fact, nobody does. It's available for registration. So get on that. And so in my building, there is a little gym. And I sometimes use it when I'm not at my regular gym. And there is one squat rack. And that's it. And for a small gym, like that's totally fine. So I'm stretching a little bit and I'm like rolling out and I'm about to like get into my workout. And a woman walks in and like jumps on the squat rack and puts all her stuff down. And I make eye contact with her and it was sort of like, oh, okay, like when you're done, I'll jump in kind of thing. Like we had that little like eye contacty moment. Okay, fine. So I go off to do some other part of my program and like, oh, I can get back to the squat rack needs that I have and I'll do it later. And so Leah, what is a squat rack for? Squatting. Ah, yes. What is a squat rack not for? Texting, stretching. It is not for anything that does not involve using the squat rack. And so for the first 10 minutes, 10 minutes, because there are clocks all around and like I'm on a schedule, she is stretching, texting, checking her phone on YouTube in the squat rack. And it's kind of like, at what point are we going to be using the squat rack? And then she starts using the squat rack and then takes another 10 minutes because in between every set, she's texting, and she's not a power lifter where she's like, oh, I need three to five minutes between my sets here. Like it was not that. And so it was just like endless. It was just like endless. And sort of like, that is not what the squat rack is for. How is a person so unaware that other people are using this equipment? Um, I mean, what a question, Leah. What a question. How are people not aware that other people exist? I mean, that is the basis of this entire show. It's every time. Every time. I know. Why does it surprise me anymore? But I think this taps into that larger complaint I have, which is like not being ready. 
You know, you step up to like Starbucks and you're not ready to order or you step up to TSA and your ID and your boarding pass is not out. Like, I feel like Miranda Priestly in Devil Wears Prada. Like, why is no one ready? It's just like, that is the soundtrack of my life. And so like, why was she not ready? Why did she step into the squat rack when she was not ready? Like, don't do that. Please don't do that. Also, get off your phone. Also, yeah, if you want to be on your phone in between sets, like at least Step make out. it more obvious that I can like work in. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to be kind of quicker than it was. Because otherwise I would have just been like, oh, can I work in with you? But it was sort of like, oh, that ship has sailed. So just a reminder, Squat Rack, it's a shared resource and be mindful when you're using it. Ugh. Ugh, exactly. I wonder if we could have a ringtone that's just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> of us just scoffing. Yeah. yeah let's do it. And then you, you could make your own phone ring when you're by people at the gym who are not <laughs> sitting on like whatever. And you're just like, oh, it's it's not me. It's my phone. It's my phone ringing. <laughs> my phone knows how I feel. <laughs> we like have a subcategory <laughs> of this podcast that instead of like trying to find appropriate, polite, boundary setting, kind ways to handle things, it's all just passive aggressive. Sighs and scoffs. <laughs> Sighs. <laughs> That's our companion podcast. Sighs and scoffs. That's it. Get ready. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Leah, what have we learned? Sushi. I have been deeply enjoying it, but start to finish doing it in a, I'm going to use the word creative mm. and comfortable way that maybe was not how it was meant to be done. And I learned that you learned this today. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks you out there for listening. I'd send a handwritten note to my custom stationery if I could. He would. So for your homework this week, we want you to learn about Wolves Plus. Wolves Plus. Which is our ad-free version that's available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. And technically it's spelled Wolves Plus, but we'd love to throw a little French enceinte on there. Oh yeah, no, it sounds way fancier in French. <laughs> so definitely check out Wolves Plus and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness, the part of the show that you make us do, but I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go. So we take Lacey to the dog beach all the time. She loves running along the water. She never goes in. We don't push her. It's her It's her process. So we're out at a lake. We're all walking on the lake. We come across a family. They're playing ball with their dog who keeps running in. Lacey is enamored with this dog. The dog's named Jax. Mm. And Lacey starts following Jax out into the water. We squeal. We all squeal with glee. <laughs> then this couple starts throwing the ball out to Jax. Lacey starts running, getting the ball. They throw the ball to Lacey. And then we were all celebrating. It was very exciting. And then they gave us the ball to commemorate oh. Lacey's first run into the water. And it was just the sweetest. We never learned their name. They never learned our name. We both know each other's dog's names. And it was so sweet. Oh, that's very nice to give you sort of a, a token of that day. A token of the water day. And for me, I would like to read a nice review we just got, which is, quote, the more I listen, the more I want to hang out with Nick and Leah. I have learned so much from this duo, and so have my kids. It's our car ride entertainment. Thanks for all the time and effort you spend putting this wonderful show together. That is so nice. Isn't that nice? Oh, it is so nice to hear stuff like that because it is a lot of effort. And so we appreciate that it is recognized. And so I really do love getting nice reviews and messages like that. So please keep them coming. I mean, I know us, but I think that if people did come hang out with us, they would be like, oh, this, you're exactly like I am. Like I would show up with something spilled on my shirt. <laughs> you know and I would I mean? not. <laughs> you, right. You absolutely would not. Yeah. 
we'd all have a great time. Yeah, no, I, I think we are this. <laughs> this is it. So like, if you like this, then yeah, hanging out with us would be this. It would be uh, fun. If you don't like this, well then I don't know why you've made it to this part of the show. <laughs> this is the end. So thanks for sticking around this long. Yeah, thanks for sticking around. So thank you. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.